Finally, Phineas dies. I've been waiting. Is that bad? Should I have not said that? Just kidding. I know it's for cinematic effect. Guys, Wednesday night, you guys awake? That sounded like you guys are kind of awake. Are you guys awake? Awesome. I had a moment during worship back there uh, as we were singing, um, talking about how sin had left a crimson stain and it washed me white as snow. And I remember when I was in high school at Hume Lake and uh, I had just started following Jesus and I was over there because I was in high school and, and I remember just weeping as I was singing those words. And so I was back here and I was hearing you guys all sing that and it brought me to tears. So thank you for that moment. And, and it just makes me think really about what this week is and makes me think about you guys specifically because you guys are coming from Christian schools. Um, That doesn't mean that everybody has families that are Christian. doesn't mean that you yourself believe in Jesus. My hope is that you will believe in Jesus or maybe last night that was the first time for you. Um, But what I realize is that for many of us, faith is something that we almost feel like we have because we've been raised in a family that has faith. Faith is maybe something where you're like, yeah, I'm a Christian because my family's Christian. Like, oh, I just got it through genetics. Or, or I'm a Christian because I go to a Christian school. You know, I learn about the Bible, therefore I'm a Christian. But, but this week, and maybe last night, but hopefully this week is something where it's not just, you're like, oh, I'm a Christian because I'm around Christians. Or I'm a Christian because my family's Christian. But I, I hope that this week you, you say, I want to follow Jesus and it's my decision. I want to follow Jesus because I realize that he loves me because he knows my name, because he pursued me, because he bridged that gap for me. My hope is that you wouldn't be following Jesus because mom and dad do so. You wouldn't follow Jesus because maybe your friends do so. You wouldn't follow Jesus because you have a really cool teacher who does so or because you go to school that that teaches you about the Bible, but you would follow Jesus because you realize Jesus is what your heart has been longing for. And that you would follow Jesus because you realize that he is actually the thing, the only one that can satisfy your deepest desires and what you've been searching for in your friends and what you've been searching for in popularity and what you've been searching for trying to get the best grades or what you've been searching for that your family maybe has is offered to you. And so my prayer is that this week, faith is your own. That's my prayer for you guys. And that happened to me when I was at Hume Lake when I was in high school. And so when we were singing that song, I just thought about like, man, That's my prayer for you, that you guys have that moment where you realize, man, Jesus is everything, full stop. I'm standing up here today because Jesus did that for me, and I made faith my own. So that's my prayer for you guys. Um, Do you guys have your Bibles? Can you guys hold it up in the what? Hold your Bibles up in the... All right. You guys... Grab your Bibles and start flipping to the book of Exodus. And you're going to go to Exodus 33. We're going to be in Exodus 33. And while we are going there, I kind of want to start off with this thing that I just realized even as I was back there is even though I met Jesus when I was in high school, I still follow Jesus today. And the Jesus that I met in high school, I've grown and I matured, but that Jesus has never changed. God doesn't change. And so in Exodus 3, um, we read and we talked about this a while ago, but Exodus 3, God told Moses, my name is I am. And you're like, that pretty much sums it up. I get it. But he's like, no, no, no. If you want to know who I am, just say, I am sent to you. I am that I am. And this is what it means. 
It means that God is the same yesterday. God is the same today. God is the same tomorrow. God will not change. And so many of you guys last night, you guys made a decision to follow Jesus. Many of you guys last night said, I'm going to recommit my life to Jesus. And here's the thing, because you realize there's brokenness in your life. You realize that sin is that bad and God is actually that good. But what's good news about God not changing is he's never going to pull his love away from you. He's never going to say like, oh, like, it's really cool that you started following me last night, but now your sin's too bad, so I'm going to pull back. God doesn't do that. He doesn't say, hey, you were kind of cute back then, but mm, now you're ugly. Psych. Oh, you want a cookie? Too bad, right? There's no psych moments with God. God isn't going to change. He's not going to pull his love from you. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's what Hebrews 13 says. So there's no psych moments with God. He's not going to change. And this is really good news because of what we've learned in the last couple years is the world changes, right? What you've learned by being in middle school is that life changes. You guys have had friends and friend groups have changed. You guys are in middle school, which means puberty. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Puberty is change, right? So you guys know what it's like when there is change. And change can, change can create anxiety. Change can kind of cause chaos in our lives. But when everything else is changing and you're trying to grab onto something, you've been trying to grab onto that friend that, that you thought was just going to stick real close to you, but then all of a sudden they might have turned from you or they might have moved away or something happened. Or you were trying to hold on to your parents, but then all of a sudden their marriage split up. Or you were trying to hold on to, to that, that one sports team, but you guys didn't win first place. You were trying to hold on to whatever it is, but those things change. And when the world is changing, you can hold on to God because he doesn't. That's really good news because you guys live in a world of change. And so as the world changes, we have this truth and this promise. God doesn't change. God is consistent. His character doesn't change. How many of you guys have been to Disneyland before? Oh, so good. So, so good. So when I was, uh, I was seven years old when I was at Disneyland. And uh, when I was at Disneyland, uh, my family and I went and we were in Toontown. You guys been to Toontown, right? And so I was in Toontown and I was hanging out the red fire truck. You know the red fire truck? It's right next to like the bars you can pull apart and look like you're really strong, even though you're really not strong. And you're like, you, you look like you're strong though. I was standing, I was next to that fire truck and, and off in the distance, I saw my hero, Goofy. And I was like, I was like, there he is. Except here's the thing. If you've ever seen those things walking around, they're not like what you saw in the movies or the shows. Because the reality is, is I was looking and I was like, that's goofy. Because it, it's a really tall, lanky person with a, a dog face that doesn't move. It's creepy. And so I was, I was standing there seven years old and I'm just like, what is that? That thing. And I was captivated. Like I stood there for, I think, 10 minutes just staring at this dog-faced man. And then at one point I was like, I should probably tell my mom about this. And so I turn and I pull on this lady's shirt and I say, hey, mom, good. you're not my mom. You guys ever done that? Where you're like, you, you think you're talking and then all of a sudden it's not. And so immediately this lady looks down at me and I'm like, mom, and she looks horrified. I'm horrified and I'm crying immediately, 
right? So I'm seven years old in Toontown looking at this creepy dog-faced man, and I'm weeping. And I'm just all alone. You guys ever been lost before? Gosh. It's the worst. So this is what happened. Probably after, I mean, so eventually a cast member came over and they hung out with me for a little bit. And so I stopped crying. They took me on a ride. It was really cool. Um, but I, so after like, like 30 or 40 minutes or so, my, my parents and my family finally came back. And here's what they, and honestly, actually, I believe this in my heart. They knew I was missing. <laughs> I, 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 believe, I believe that they like, they got away. They turned around. They're like, he's gone. We finally got rid of the rodents. And, uh, and they went on a ride and they had a merry old time without me. And uh, meanwhile, I'm weeping and my hero is just shattered. And uh, so after like 30 minutes or so, they, they, they come back and here's what my mom said when she found me. She said, where were you? <laughs> exactly, thank you. Okay, and so seven-year-old me, I, I, I'm, like, I'm like, where was I? You, you left me. I was, I was looking at whatever that is. Like I was looking at goofy dog face, man. You left me. But here's, here's why I bring this up is because the reality is, is so often we do that to God. Where, where all of a sudden we're lost. We don't know where he is. And then we say, God, where were you? God, where were you? God, I didn't see you. I don't feel you. I don't know where you are. And, 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 and here's the thing. I was in the happiest place on earth. But without the presence of my family, I was lost, I was lonely, and I'm sad. And the reality of our lives is that if we, we could be anywhere, you could have anything, you could have everything. You could have that boyfriend or girlfriend you've been really looking for. You could have all the money in the world. You could have like a thousand Teslas. You guys could live in like a really nice house, right? You could have everything. You could have everything, but if God isn't there, you're going to be left lonely, lost, and sad. But here's my mom's assumption. My mom assumed I would just follow them. And so that's what we do with God too, where we say, hey, God, I'm going over here. Come, come. Come on, come on, God. I, I've got my thing. I'm going to my place. You must follow me, and we think God needs to follow us. Many of us have images of who God is in our own heads, but if we're really honest, who we think God is, the God that we have in our head very often looks like us, thinks like us, likes the things that we like, and also hates the things that we hate. And we tell God, hey, you need to follow me, but what we see is Jesus, when he, when he finds his disciples, which just means his learners or his apprentices, he says, hey, you Follow me. See, oftentimes we walk around and we're like, God, where are you? I don't know where you are. God, I'm going this way. Why didn't you come with me? And because God's like, no, 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 this is not how it works. I don't follow you around to do your thing. I don't follow you around so that your life, your agenda can just be whatever you want it to be. You are following me. But that's good news because God doesn't change and God has good plans. And so God invites us to follow him. He's not open for interpretation. We see a lot of issues because people think God is like this or people think God is like this. And what we need to do is we need to say, God, who are you? And let's learn about him and see who God really is. 
And so these questions come up, God, where are you? Many of us, I know this is just the third uh, night, but we're going to be heading down the mountain eventually. And up here, maybe it feels a little bit easy. Maybe, maybe you guys are like, man, okay, I've, I experienced God for the first time. Last night I encountered God. I feel his closeness. I look at the stars. I see him. He's beautiful. He's here. We're having good conversations. I'm so close to God, but you will go down the mountain. And I want to talk about what that looks like. And so you, 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 you look at Moses and you see this man who, if you remember in Exodus 3, he was a coward. You guys remember that? Where God's calling to him out of the bush. And God's like, hey, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh. Talk to Phineas Rowe. And I'm going to be with you. But Moses was full of excuses, right? They're like armpits. They all stink. And so he's full of excuses. And he's like, no, 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 God, I'm not going to go. And God's like, I'll be with you. He's like, send someone else. But then what we see here in Exodus 33 is something different. So you guys should be there by now. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I've found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find more favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation. They're your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, Moses said to God, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of of the earth. He says, unless you go with us, God, I will not go. That's very different than the Moses of Exodus 3. How did Moses go from coward to courage? How did Moses go from a person who was so afraid to a person who says, I'll go anywhere, but you need to come with me? How did he go from this small view of God, this view of God that maybe he made up in his own mind, to this view of God that he is massive, he is holy, he is unchanging, he is just? How did he go from that to that? That's what we want to look at. And if you guys were, were watching the, the video, it showed that there was probably like 20 to 30 of, of the uh, Jairaites. Was that what we're calling them? The Israelites, right? There's like 20 to 30 of the, of the Jairus people. But in the actual story, the actual account, scholars have estimated that there's probably 2.5 to 3 million people. I'm going to say it funny so you like remember it. Million people. 2.5 to 3 million people. And so, so the people would have been miles long. As they're walking out of Egypt, there would have been miles and miles of people. There was a multitude of people, so many of them. So when you think about these pillars, the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire, they would have been huge with a Y. They would have been massive. And so if you're anything like me and you're hearing this story, right, you're reading the Bible well, you're like, man, those are some really, really huge pillars. God was really present with them. But if you're also reading the Bible well, you're probably thinking to yourself, where's my pillar? Where's my pillar of smoke? 
Where's my pillar of fire? God, where are you? Why don't I get that? Where is God? Again, you guys are going to be going down the mountain. And here's the thing. You guys came up here and you left some problems down the mountain. But you're going to go back and those problems still might be there. You're going to go down the mountain and you're still going to have to go back to school. You're going to go back down the mountain and chores. There's going to be dishes to be cleaned. I know. Let's just give it up. You're going to go down the mountain And many of you guys said you're starting to follow Jesus, which means that you're going to go down the mountain and the friends that you were hanging out with before who wanted to cuss and they wanted to look at those things and they wanted to talk bad about those people and they wanted to do that behavior. And you're like, I follow Jesus now. I'm not going to partake in that. Well, you might have to like break off some of those friendships. There's going to be difficulty when you go down the mountain. I got to be real with you. So you're going to go down the mountain and and, and it's going to be difficult. And there might be times where you're going to say, God, where are you? Tomorrow, we're going to look at the question, God, where were you when? Where were you when this happened in my life? But tonight, God, I don't feel you. God, where were you? So leaders, teachers, principals, pastors, how many of you guys in your life have ever felt or not felt God's presence. Could you raise your hand if you're like, man, I've, I've, I've said, God, I don't feel you. Students, can you look around? Yeah, you're not alone. Thank you. You guys can put your hands down. So here's why I wanted to do that. Because God doesn't change. Our feelings change. Our emotions change. In one moment, you could be having a great conversation with a friend and you can be like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And then you turn around and something happens and you're crying and you're bitter and you're salty and life stinks. And we know how in just milliseconds, our emotions can change. And it's got to be really, really good that God doesn't change because he doesn't change when our emotions change. And so there will be times when you're you're probably going to be like, God, I don't feel you right now. I'm down the mountain. I've got all these things. Where were you? You don't feel as close as you were when I was up the mountain. So so here's here's a few quick things. You could say, God, where's my pillar? But I want to highlight a few things that God has given us. One, God has given us something better and more clear than a pillar. He's given us his his word. See, we could be like, God, I I wish you just came in like cloud and stuff like that. But the reality is the cloud, the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire, they just show us that God's present, but they don't show us what God is like. They aren't God's actual words. And so this right here reveals God's character perfectly. And so when we can read this, we can know who God is. We can know exactly what God is like. This is his word. We're going to talk about that on Friday. But Hebrews 4.12 says this is living and active. So if you want to know what God is like, He's given us his word. The other thing that he's given us, he's given us creation. You guys could go out tonight and you can look up at the stars and you can see that there is a God who is a creator. You guys can can look at nature. You guys can look around and you can see there is a God who's created everything. If you look close enough, it actually takes more faith for you to believe that there isn't a God than there is. This is what Romans 1 says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. There is a designer. The other thing is we have each other. 
I wish I could sit down with you and tell you all the times that I've had doubts, all the times that I've been in tears wrestling with, with God, where are you? God, why did you let this happen? God, I'm not feeling you right now. God, I'm really struggling with this. And I've had friends Brothers and sisters in Christ who have sat down with me and talked it out, prayed with me, or they just sat and cried with me. Proverbs 27 says that as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. It's not man as in just like a guy. It's talking about humankind. So women as well. So, so we can have relationships and relationships show us who God is. And the next thing is we have God's spirit. We have his Holy Spirit. God didn't leave us alone. He gave us his Holy Spirit. How messed up would it be if God saved them from Egypt, got them through the Red Sea, and he's like, cool, we're good. We're Gucci. You guys got it figured out? You guys got it from here, right? Okay, cool. And then God just left them. Would that be messed up? It would be messed up if God saved them and then left them to figure it out on his own. He does not do that. But it feels like that sometimes. Sometimes it feels like, God, it was nice up the mountain. I felt you. I saw you. You were there. But right now, it's been a month. I've been down the mountain a month. I've gotten into the routine of things. There's frustration with my parents. That sin habit that I wrote down on that card that I thought I'd put away came back. And, and honestly, God, I just don't feel you. And the questions come up, God, do you actually love me? God, are you, are you there? Am I praying to a wall? Was what I felt up at camp fake? The enemy is going to try to put doubts in your mind to make you think that what you're experiencing right now is fake. So I just want to say it, what you're experiencing right now, the closeness to God, how you're experiencing him in worship and in your cabin times and in these moments right now, it is absolutely real. The answer is obviously yes, God loves you. Yes, he is there. He hears you and he loves your prayers and know your camp experience is not fake. I want to validate how you feel is important. See, I think oftentimes uh, we might say, oh, you're just being too emotional. And, and that's just actually really unhealthy. How you feel is important. But what you do with your feelings is as important. So if you don't feel God or you feel frustrated, you feel sad, you feel joyful, you feel hurt. Those are things that you get to bring to God. When you don't feel God, talk to him about it. Because your feelings are important, but what you do with them is just as important. Remember, God doesn't change. Our emotions change. Our feelings change. God doesn't. God isn't different based off of our moods, right? I remember uh, when I was pretty young, we went to uh, Colorado with my family. And we went to this cave. You guys ever been to the caves? Like just like gone really deep down into the earth? I was with my family and we, we went to these caves. And so we start walking down these caves and we went all the way down, like going around corners. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, we're like really deep. I hope there's not an earthquake. And so we're getting really deep down into the caves and there, there are lights, you know, on the wall or on the cave walls. And we're getting all the way down there. And at one point our guide stops us. He says, okay, we're at the point in our tour, where there's no light could actually come down this far. We've gone through enough corners. We've gone deep enough. There is absolutely zero light down here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn the lights off on you. And you're going to experience some stuff. It's going to be kind of scary. 
But just so you know, like if you put your hand right in front of your face, you won't be able to see it. That's how dark it is. You guys ever been in that darkness before? It's crazy. And so he's like, all right, I'm counting down. Three, two, one. Turn the lights off. And immediately I was like, I felt anxiety. I was so scared. And because there's a darkness that you could feel. And I put my hand in front of my face. I couldn't see it. And I knew that there were people behind, like around me, but it almost got to my head where I was, I was like, I don't know if they're there. It is so dark. It is like, it was such a penetrating darkness that I was feeling anxious. I was feeling nervous. I had no idea what was going on. And and I knew that people were there, but I was like, I don't know if I can feel them. It was more comforting for me to close my eyes because you know when you close your eyes, you can actually see red because of your blood. And you're like, I'll close my eyes because maybe I can, it feels more comforting to do that. And then in the midst of the darkness, someone in our group started singing worship. And it was one of the most powerful things I still felt anxious. I still was freaking out. I still thought to myself, what if these lights don't come back on? How do we get out? (laughs) I was still freaking out, but there was also a sense of comfort knowing that we are worshiping in the midst of the darkness. That even though I couldn't see, even though I couldn't feel, I knew that I knew that I knew that people were with me and God was good. My favorite Psalm is Psalm 23, and this is David, and he's in a dark place in his life. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or in other translations, even though I walk through the the deepest darkness, I will have no fear. Why? Because you're with me. Whatever you go through, whatever feelings you have or lack of feelings you have, Whatever pain, whatever difficulty, whatever confusion, whatever you go through, you do not need to fear because God is with you even if you don't feel it. God doesn't change and he's present. But just to make you feel better, let's, um, let's flip to Exodus 14. Flip to Exodus 14. Hopefully this will make you guys feel better. Here's a bit of context. Israel is backed up against the Red Sea. There are cliffs on two sides. They are fully walled in and Egypt and Pharaoh are coming at them. And so they realize this is an impossible situation. What are we gonna do? We can't go anywhere. There's a sea in front of us, we would drown. We can't go to the left or the right, there are cliffs. And all we have is a massive army that's trained to kill coming at us. What will we do? Now, They just saw God do incredible things. God just saved them through miracles. So they didn't necessarily have a huge reason to fear, except for they realized that this is an impossible situation. So Exodus 14, verse 11. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not... What we said to you when we were in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. They wanted to stay in slavery. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Can you imagine what they're saying right now? It was better in slavery. It was better when we were having to make clay bricks. It was better when we were being whipped. It was better when we were starving. It was better when we were in Egypt. Why would you bring us out here to die? Fear can make us do dumb things sometimes, yeah? When we're afraid, we say things we don't want to say. We do things we don't want to do. They would have rather chose the comfort of slavery than take the steps 
the, the courage it takes to be free. They would have chose the comfort of slavery rather than the courage it takes to be free. So you guys are going to go down the mountain and many of you guys are going to feel tempted to step back into that thing that was comfortable before, the thing that kept you enslaved, that sin habit, those jokes that you're making with your friends, that boyfriend or that girlfriend, the things that you look at. You're going to feel tempted to go back to those things because it's comfortable, because you know it. And so you would rather stay in the comfort of that slavery rather than take the step of courage that it would take you to be free. See, we celebrated freedom last night. God had set you guys free, but there will be temptation like they had temptation when they were facing an impossible situation. Rather than trusting that God has them, they wanted to turn back and go to slavery. That's going to be a temptation that you have. Every time you read in the Bible, though, there was fear. God says, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Every time. Every time in the Bible, it says that they were afraid. God reminds them, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. And you're like, okay, but, but, but I just want to see you. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Don't you just wish that Jesus would be here right now? Yeah? It sounds like you guys don't want that. Yeah? We want that? All right, imagine this. Like next year, you guys come back up to Hume Lake, but Jesus is your camp speaker. You guys are like, sign up right now, right? If Jesus were the camp speaker, I would, I'd be like, dude, I'm going to be there every week. I'm going to hear the same message again and again and again. I'm going to be there because Jesus, I just need to hear from you. Right? If Jesus were the camp speaker, we would all sign up. This would be full. We'd have to like build more seats. It'd be crazy if Jesus were the camp speaker. Like I said yesterday, Jesus shows us God's character perfectly, right? Perfectly. He modeled for us how to live life. Jesus was sinless and perfect, and only his blood, only his death, only his resurrection saves us. Jesus would be awesome if he were here. But this is, there's a passage I'm going to read that, that honestly I still wrestle with to this day. It's one of these passages where, where I'm, like, I'm like, God, you got to keep helping me like, believe that this is true. And so this is the passage. This is Jesus. He's talking to his best buds just before he's about to go to the cross and die. And he says, it's better that I go. He's talking to his best friends and he's like, hey guys, it's better that I go. It's better that I leave because unless I go, I can't send the helper. I can't send the advocate who will be with you. And you're like, who's the helper? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus has such a high view of the Holy Spirit that he says it's better that I'm not your camp speaker next year. Because it would be lame if Jesus could only be in one place at one time because that's who Jesus is. He's a single person. And so he wouldn't go down the mountain with you. He would stay up here because he's got a whole other group that he's got to talk to. And so even though it'd be really cool if Jesus was your camp speaker, he couldn't be with you in those late hours of the night when you're really struggling. He couldn't be with you when you're at school and that one person said that mean thing behind your back. He couldn't be with you when, when you're praying and, and you're really wrestling with something. Jesus is a single person, but he says, it's better that I go because unless I go, you won't have the Holy Spirit. Jesus just doesn't want us to have him for a moment. He wants, us, he wants to be with us always. God doesn't want just to be with you in a moment. He doesn't want to just be with you up here on the mountain. He wants to be with you down the mountain. Ephesians 1, another passage that blows my mind, says the same power 
that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you believe in Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit lives in you if you believe in Jesus. So how did Moses move from coward to courage? How did Moses move from coward to courage? He trusted God's presence in the wilderness. So you guys might have come up here and you're like, yeah, I have a lot of things that I'm afraid of. And you might go down and you still have some fear, but the reality is, is God wants to move you from the place of coward, the place of fear, to a place of courage. But the way that that happens is actually when you're down the mountain. It happened for Moses when he was in the wilderness. He trusted that God was with him. Moses knew that he knew that he knew that God was with him, even though things were difficult, even though the people around him were were struggling and complaining. He trusted that God was with him. See, here's the thing. God doesn't want you to have knowledge of who he is in your head, but he wants to take that truth the 18 inches from the floating mass in your thick skull down to the beating, thumping thing in your chest. God wants to move from your head to your heart, but the only way that the truth of who Jesus is moves from your head and changes your heart is when you walk through the wilderness, is when you go through difficult situations, is when you go down the mountain and life is still happening and difficult things still happen and puberty is still happening. And in the midst of all of that, you say, God, I trust that you're here and I'm gonna keep following you anyways. You guys will feel tempted to not believe that God is with you. But remember, God doesn't change. And in the wilderness and down the mountain, God is with you. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that you would just help us not fill our heads with information, but that you would fill our hearts with transformation. God, I pray that that we would not just love you because of feelings, but we would love you because you don't change, because you're holy, because you're just, because you've loved us first, and because you choose to continue to be with us. God, thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. So God, would you help us right now Take that and and let it be something that we know that we know that we know that you are with us. God, I pray ahead that as these students go down the mountain in a couple days, that when they face wilderness, when they face troubles, when they face trials, that they would not doubt that you are near, but that they would lean into you, that they would trust you all the more. And God, through that, you would shape them and change them and transform them more to be like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen.